one of our kiddos, you're dismissed to go with Pastor Julie, and you're going to keep talking about that. I've never gotten such a good response to anything I've done in church. Should have gotten to that long ago. If you're not a kiddo and going with Pastor Julie to Junior Church, uh, take your Bible and open it to that passage in Exodus that we've been talking about, Exodus chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's probably one in the, under the chair in front of you, uh, or there's probably something on your iPad or your iPhone. Get it out there. It'll help you to kind of look at the text as we go. We've, uh, we've been talking about, about Moses for the last two weeks, and I'm going to talk about him again next week. Moses is kind of the colossus that bestrides the Old Testament. I mean, he wrote more of it than anybody else. He's the giver of the law. He's the, the one that, that, that led his people out of slavery and, and right up to the brink of the promised land. So it's quite a story. I mean, to go from kind of a forgotten fugitive in the desert to the man that God uses to set an entire people free from slavery. It's interesting. I can't remember a sermon that's gotten quite so much response from quite so many different folks. In the past week, I've talked to you know, engineers and teachers and students and parents and people in sales. and The common denominator of everybody that wants to talk about this, this Moses thing is that everybody really wants their life to count for something. And frankly, most of them really believe that it could count for something. That, that you know, God is, is kind of doing a burning bush moment for them. But the problem is that almost to a person, though they're saying, hey, I think God wants to do that, and sometimes they even know what I think I know what God wants to do. The whole idea of how do you get from wouldn't that be neat to actually being a part of what God wants to do? Now, part of our problem is that when we, we hear this burning bush stuff, we kind of think in terms of, of, of this. Yeah, we'd really like to be making noise, but it's not. So, um, <laughs> can we do sound on this? Let me do the sound for you. That's Charlton Heston of the National, the NRA, the National Rod Association. And the voice that you're not hearing is God saying, Moses. Mo That's okay, I'm doing better. <laughs> Moses. Get. And the response is, Lord, what is it? Moses, I need you to listen. And we're blown away by, by this, this, this Charlton Heston, Cecil B. DeMille's kind of a mentality. We think if God's going to talk to us, you know, the burning bush is this 
chromium thing with a, with a strobe light and, you know, the, the part of Moses or the part of you will be played by Charlton Heston or Tom Cruise or... Is it right to say Charlton Heston and Tom Cruise in the same sentence? I don't think so, no. But, no. But, you know, and when, when God, if God is going to speak in our lives, probably the moment ought to be produced by Spielberg at the very least, right? That may be the biggest single problem to God actually doing in our lives what He wants to do. Take a look at the text that we've read and heard read. Have it in front of you. I want you to notice something. When God pulls a burning bush moment, there's four very distinct things going on. Number one is in verses one and two. You'll see it there. Number one, when God wants to do a burning bush moment, he starts with a day. And you look at the text. You say, well, I'm trying here, John, but what do you mean? It doesn't say anything about the day. Exactly. That's the point. When God blows into Moses' life, it's just a day, an ordinary day. Think about it. There's been 40 years of silence in Moses' life. He's been, a desert, he's, he, he's been a shepherd in the wilderness for 40 years. All of a sudden, one more dull old desert day dawns. There's no signs, there's no portent, there's no big deal. It's just an ordinary desert day. And why that's important is because so often we think if God's going to work in our lives, He's got to do some sort of a parlor trick, some sort of a magic trick that, that breaks, breaks the cycle. Listen, if God's going to be in your life, in a new and a powerful way, then expect that day to be like any other day. It's, when God comes to work in our lives, it's, it's not like, you know, you wake up and, bing, there's a sunbeam, and you hear the voice, this is the day. Ever happened to you? Me neither. Because the reality is, God doesn't work that way. The day that God blasts into your life, the day that something new begins, is a day like any other day. Moses started his day by pushing woolies in the wilderness. That's what he does. You know, maybe you're pushing diapers that smell like a herd of sheep. Or, you know, maybe you're pushing colleagues at work that are pretty woolly, if you get my drift. The day that God works with you is like, any other, is like any other day. That's who God is. He's a meat and potatoes God. Or meat and rice God. I don't know. Meat and couscous God. He's, a, he's just a regular everyday God. That's the point. That's the point. You don't have to wake up and see an aura on the alarm clock that says, ah, today's going to be the day. You know, when you wake up in the morning, look, just get blanket victory, okay? Get moving, get out of bed, because this is the day that God wants to work in you. This could be the day that God's going to speak 
in a way that starts something entirely new to you. In fact, let me give you a challenge. Since the day that God does burning bush moments in our lives is a day like any day, let me suggest that you make a commitment to start every day, before you even get out of bed, before you achieve blanket victory, with a prayer that says, Father, this is your day. You may be stating the obvious, but you know what? It may be one of the most profound prayers that you can come up with. And I'm a big believer in short prayers. I love people that can, you know, paint the mountains and hang the sun, sun in their prayers, but I think God gets bored with those things sometimes. I think God likes just direct prayers. Something clever like, Abba, Father, it's your day. Don't stop there. If you, when God does this burning bush thing in Moses and by extension to us, first element is a day, just a day. Second element, look at verse 2, a bush. Just a bush. Please notice it's not any kind of a special bush. Just a bush like a million other bushes. In Hebrew, the word is actually a thorny shrub. I don't know, maybe it's acacia. That'd be a pretty good guess for that part of the world. But the point is, it's just a little guy. You know, when, when, when we think in terms of God's working, we would like it at bare minimum to be a, a redwood, you know? With, with, with a strobe at the top. But this is kind of like Angeles National Forest. Have you, ever, have you ever driven over the grapevine down by Bakersfield? There are these huge signs that says, you are entering Angeles National Forest. And it's like, you're looking for the trees. And then you realize there's acres and acres and acres of little snaggy shrubs. That's Angeles National Forest. That's what the Sinai looks like. And when God speaks, he not only does so on ordinary days, he does it with the ordinary stuff of life. This, is, this bush is literally one of millions of bushes. What makes it unusual is not what it was. What makes it unusual is what God is doing in it. Now, people think about this. Your lives are are filled with bushes, millions of them. I mean, they may look like kids clamoring for your attention. Or they may look like your job that maybe isn't your favorite thing in life. Or maybe it is. Or it could be your health or your, your, your friends in need. It's just ordinary events that God wants to set on fire. That God wants to use to do something Absolutely extraordinary. And what makes them extraordinary isn't that they're all that unusual. They're not. What makes them extraordinary is that he's in them, that, that, that he's working through them. And he's doing something amazing. We want redwoods. And so we don't see the kiddo, or the friend, or the moment that God wants to set on fire and do something amazing. We don't see him, and even when we do see him, we won't look at him. You know, God, 
We think God can't use it. You know, it's too grubby. It's just a sink full of dirty dishes. Or God can't use it. It's too tedious. It's my job. I do it all the time. Yeah. Or God can't use it. It's it's too too mundane. It's just same old, same old. Listen. The bush is always ordinary. Always. It is always tedious. It's what God wants to do in that moment that makes it miraculous. I've got another prayer for you. And you haven't even had your cup, first cup of coffee. Maybe you want to do it while you're, while you're brushing your teeth. I challenge you, get in the habit of when you, when, when you put the toothbrush to your teeth, start saying, God, let me see the fire. Let me see the fire. I know it's there. Let me see it. Just a day. Just a regular bush. You know, the next thing that, that, that God uses in this burning bush moment is, frankly, just a regular guy. Look at, look at verse, verse, verse 3. Regular man. It could, it could have been a regular woman. The point is that that per, it's a person with a, with a particular attitude. Look at verse 4. It's kind of interesting. The whole turning point of verse 4 is when the Lord saw when what? The whole thing goes back to verse number 3. Moses sees this ordinary bush doing something extraordinary and what does he do? Verse 3 he says Moses thought, well, I'll go over and see that thing. Why, why this baby's burning, but isn't burned up. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, he called to him from the bush. He said, Moses! <laughs> Moses says, here I am. Here I am. Kid's listening to you, Peter. Okay. What I want you to see there is that that funny little expression, Moses turned aside, doesn't sound like much, but mark this. That's the turning point in Moses' life. In fact, if you got your own Bible there, underline that or circle it. It's the pivot point of the greatest life of the, of the Old Testament. Moses turned aside. What makes the difference here is that finally... Moses is going to listen. Finally, God's got Moses' attention. Look at his response in verse 4. When God says, Moses, and I don't know how he said it. He may have sounded like Charlton Heston. Moses. Or maybe he might have been just a still small voice. Moses. What counts is Moses' response. Not very profound. All he says is, here, here I am. I love that. You know, 40 years ago, Moses would have showed up with his resume. You know that Moses' life is divided into three sections, right? Three sections of 40. First 40 years, he was in the, hot, the, the court of pharaohs. He's, he's getting the best training in the world. He's, a, he's full stride, top of his game. And then there came that funny little incident where he saw one of his brothers, a Hebrew, one of the Hebrew children, being abused by an Egyptian. Now Moses in his heart of hearts knew that that wasn't right. 
And he knew that God would want freedom and protection and justice for that person. Unfortunately, he chose to do God's will in his way. <laughs> and he murdered the guy. Forty years ago, if this burning bush thing would have happened, Moses would have showed up with his resume and he would have said, Hey, let's do your will my way. Forty years ago, Moses would have been so busy telling God how to run his business. Lord, we need to get these people out of here. We need to get them organized. We need to get a movement going here. We need justice. You know, he'd have been so busy telling God what to do, he'd have missed the call. Forty years ago, Moses was so concerned about his own foliage that he wouldn't have seen God's bush burning there. Two basic truths. Number one, God does nothing apart from our consent. For a very good reason. No need, no heed. If we don't know that there's something that has to happen, we don't hear anything else. Right? We don't listen. The other principle here is when he does act, he's not interested in your abilities. He's interested in your availabilities. God is literally saying, Moses, I'm looking for a bush to light on fire. I'm looking for something very ordinary to ignite. God says, listen to me, Moses. And Moses says, here, we've been talking about prayers to pray before you have your first cup of coffee. Let me give you another one. Maybe you want to do this one while you brush your hair, if you still do that. Say to God as simply as you can. Here, this is John. This is Peter reporting for duty. I'm here, God. One more element in this burning bush event. That's, it comes in verses 6 and 8. It's the plan. Um, it's, it's an interesting piece. Read it with me. Then he said, God is speaking. He said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he's afraid to look at the Lord. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the, the misery of my people in Egypt. And I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down. Underline that. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of this, that land and into a good land, a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's interesting. Verse 6, God tells him who he is. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It scares him to death. I don't know if he falls on his face or covers his face, but he's scared. And then in verse 8, he lays out the plan. He says, Moses, I know there's a need... I'm going to come down. It's interesting. He's, he's calling Moses to action. He's going to send Moses to, to, to go talk to Pharaoh. But he says, I'm coming down. Gives you a little insight into how God thinks of this whole arrangement, doesn't it? I'm going to come down. And we're going to work. I've got a plan. That's huge. Because if you think about it, Moses is intimidated back there in verse 6 when he just finds out where, who God is. But then by the time we get to 11 where, where, where he finds out what it is that God wants to do, what's he say? Look at verse 11. 
Not me, God. Not, not me, God. I stutter. Can't do it. Here am I. Send Aaron. Yes? What makes this call work is that God is saying, Hey, Moses, relax. I've got a plan. You know, so often we get intimidated by the sheer size of the plan. I could never do that. God didn't ask if you could do it, did he? Or we get intimidated by our age because we got either too much of it or too little of it. You know, I'm not, I'm not old enough or I'm too old. Isn't it funny? We're, we're never the right age. <laughs> I love it when, when God called Samuel. He's like five years old. When God called Moses, he's 80. 80 years old and he said, Moses, I got this job. <laughs> and it's going to last, last him 40 years. Or how about Daniel? First time God called Daniel, he was probably 12 or so. Last time he called him that lion's den thing, he was at least 80. He lasted through two dynasties. Or two empires. God, but what God's saying is, hey, Moses, the issue isn't how you feel about it. It's not if you stutter. It's not how confident you are. Moses, I've got a plan, and any old bush will do. All I need is someone who listens, who, who says, yes, God, let's do it. Four envelopes. Four resignations. Actually, these are just empty envelopes. Peter actually has the, the envelopes with the resignations in them. Each member of our staff has voluntarily signed an undated resignation. Don't panic. Relax. <laughs> I thought they liked Peter. They do like Peter. They love Peter, and they'd love to work with him. I thought they liked it here. They do, and would love to continue working. But as we talked about the reality of who God is and what God might be doing here, every one of them has affirmed, I want to be a part of it. I think I'm going to be a part of it. But you know what? I'm hugely committed to this. I'm, when, when it comes to God's doing a burning bush moment at Mercer Island Covenant, I'm all in. Jules, come here. You signed one of them. That's a scary, scary thing to do. And let me say again, Jules is not going anywhere. <laughs> Jules likes it here. Jules likes Pastor Peter. Yes. But why, did you, why would you sign something like that? Well, for the last year, I feel like something God has really been putting on my heart. And I've been thinking about this verse a lot. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And I really believe that God is doing a brand new thing in this church. And I am very excited about it. But I don't want to be a hindrance to it either. And so I trust God for what he's going to do and how he's going to work this out and how he's going to use Peter as our new leader. And I really believe that, that uh, this has been established by God and ordained by God, and I want to follow God's will. So I do want to be a part of it, but I also want to do what's best for this church. Absolutely. Judith, come here. Again, they're undated. 
<laughs> they're good for nine months. But it's a scary, nasty thing to do. Why would you do such a crazy thing, Judith? I believe that we are in the midst of something great. God is going to change things. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I want God to do something great. And I think he's going to. And um, like Hudson T Taylor said, let God get go. And I'm not going to get in the way. It's an extraordinary thing to have that kind of faith. And again, this isn't an announcement that somebody's going someplace. They're deeply committed to you and to Peter and to the staff or, or to this church. But what each of them has, has said in signing that, voluntarily signing that, is God's got a plan. It's his plan. And all I know is that I want to be a part of it no matter what it costs. I'm all in. The reason I make an issue of it is that one of the things I love about this staff is that they have demonstrated over this last year, and I suspect more, I've only been here a year, that they're willing to step up and do the bold things, the hard things in godly ways. And I believe God is and will continue to bless that. And I guess... I see myself less and less as a leader and more and more as just a regular sheep in this flock. I don't feel like we can do any less. But just say, God, your plan, let's do it. Whatever it costs, I'm in. Next week, I'm going to do the last sermon here. Last words are always significant, I guess. At least they are to me. Uh, probably going to be the most significant, certainly the most thought, thought out thing that I've said since I've been here. We're going to look at responding to burning bush moments. But can I give you a challenge? A challenge that will help us prepare for next week, but more than that, a challenge that, to help you prepare for burning bush moments in our lives. Dear ones, we are so at a burning bush moment in this church, and we are so at a burning bush moments in our lives. God wants to do great and glorious things. So, at least for one week, I'm not asking you for the rest of your life, I'm asking you for one week. Can I challenge you to before you have your first cup of coffee even, say four simple prayers. Let me associate them with things to help you remember. When you look at, at the alarm clock, let it be the reminder to say the first of those prayers. Dear God, this is your day. So simple, so huge. As you get up, you get blanket victory, you get moving. I, maybe when you're brushing your teeth. I, good reminder. To say, God, I know it's your day. I know you're filling with, with ordinary things through which you want to do extraordinary things. So here's the prayer. Dear God, let me see the fire. Let me see the fire. Just get in the habit every time you reach for that toothbrush to say to your father, God, 
Your day, let me see the fire. Third prayer I want you to, to suggest to you, and maybe you want to do it while you're brushing your hair or whatever, it's the prayer of Moses. To say, dear God, help me see the fire, and here I am. Here I am. Whatever. And the last prayer, as you're, as you're heading out the door, Let's do it, God. Let's do it. I am so convinced that God has brought us to this time, to this place, given us the leadership we've got, brought us Pastor Peter, worked in our hearts, worked in terms of our history and our needs and our longings and our hopes and our giftedness, brought us to this fascinating place. But folks, listen to me. It's not this spooky Charlton Heston thing. It's ordinary people on regular days using ordinary stuff like your husband or your wife or your kiddos or your job, like Sunday Bible school, like teaching a class, like working with a nursery. I don't know. Ordinary stuff. But saying, God, here I am. Let's do it. How about Father? We love to see you work. We love the reality that you do work. But sometimes I think we get so religious about it that we forget that this isn't some sort of a parlor trick. This isn't something that only happens in the movies. But that in ordinary days, with ordinary stuff, and ordinary people, an extraordinary God steps in and does miraculous things. Dear God, set us on fire.